if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and pull them out. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, I said this in the first service. I'm going to say it again. Uh, if you brought a Bible, that's a great thing. If you have your Bible on uh, a mobile device, that's also a great thing. If you didn't bring either one of those, I want to just encourage you to do so. Uh, it's good to bring a Bible. It's good to have that. Uh, I, I, I just think it's a good thing. Um, I think devices are great. Uh, but they're kind of hard to highlight and write notes in. And so sometimes when you have the real book there, you can uh, highlight and make notes and stuff. And, and then you kind of turn back to those at a later time and, and be like, oh yeah, I remember this. And so uh, personally, I think a book is better. And so I want to encourage that. And until they can get the onion page sound put into the uh, devices, you know, when you turn the pages, once it says in device, if yours does that, turn it up loud so it sounds like you're turning pages. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know why the Bible app doesn't have that. But anyway, just want to encourage that. Bring your Bibles. It's good to have them. So uh, sometimes I put the scriptures up on the screen so you get to see them. And sometimes I don't. And you got to be quick. So today's one of those days where I'm not putting the scriptures up on the screen. So it's good to have it there uh, if you can keep up with me. So uh, anyway, this is week three of our Preparing for Easter series. And we're calling this series Pursuing the Father's Heart. Pursuing the Father's Heart. And we're in Matthew 6. The first week was we talked about giving to the needy and generosity. And so just want to continue to make that a theme as we had our time of Thanksgiving. Last week I talked about that we were putting out a study on generosity for our discipling communities. And Pastor Chris was able to send that out to our facilitators this week. And so if you are part of a discipling community, your facilitators have received that. And if you think that sounds like a study I want to be a part of, then encourage your facilitators to say, hey, when can we put this on the calendar? And we're not telling you, you have to do it over the next eight weeks. We're saying, hey, sometime in the next few months, it would be good to maybe take a break from what you're doing, or if you're wrapping up what you're doing, then spend eight weeks looking at uh, this, this study on gener generosity. I think you would be very blessed by it. So just want to encourage that. Last week, we talked about prayer. And uh, specifically in prayer, we said that we do not pray for man's approval, but we pray for God's reward. Uh, we recommended that it's good to pray in private because, you know, we just, when we do it out loud, we want, we want the praise. And so it's good to do it uh, in private. And then also that we pray to God the Father the way God the Son says to pray. And, and there are seven different ways that we saw looking at, uh, at Jesus' example of what we call the Lord's Prayer that we do that. And in that we see uh, relationship, our relationship with the Father. We see worship as we pray. We see recognition of his lordship. We see uh, uh, an acceptance of our sonship uh, with the Father. We see fellowship with each other as we pray. We see his leadership, and we also see Jesus's ownership. And so those are ways that we get to pray. And just want to encourage you, if you missed last week, it's available online. You can watch it on YouTube or you can pull it up on podcasts and listen to it there. And so just encourage you, if you missed last week, uh, any of our uh, weeks that you've missed, you can do that. So 
Before we jump fully into this week's scripture, though, I want to remind us of the foundation for each of these spiritual disciplines that we're looking at. And I say spiritual disciplines, I was reminded this week that another way to say that is habits. These are habits. Sometimes when we think of habits, we kind of tend to, lead, well, habits tend to be a bad thing. Well, habits can be a good thing, too. And so whether you want to think about these as spiritual disciplines uh, or you want to think about these as, as spiritual habits that we have, whichever way helps you practice these better, uh, I'd encourage you to do that. When I was in youth ministry, we actually, uh, I did this at probably three or four different youth ministries. We had a whole series called Habits that talked about this. And so it's good to make these habits or spiritual disciplines. So, um, but I want to go back to Matthew chapter 5 in the last verse there, verse 48, and then read uh, chapter 6, verse 1. And it says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And so these verses, I believe, are the foundation for all of these things that then follow. Uh, this is talking about our desire to pursue the Father's heart and be perfect as he is perfect. And as we practice our righteousness in these various ways, through generosity, through prayer, through what we're going to talk about today, fasting, then that is where we have opportunity to grow in him and be more like him. Okay? That's the foundation. And so that's why for each of these it says, don't do this for others, do this for God because it's all about him and it's about chasing after his heart. And so that's what we need to be doing. And so as we are preparing for Easter, as we are pursuing our Father's heart, we ask ourselves, and the question that I've been asking all uh, over the last few weeks is, what, what do we feel like we're doing? And then what is the reality of our, what we're doing? What's the feel versus real? And I've talked about disc golf and disc golf. There's a certain way that, that you do things to be able to throw the disc well, you know, uh, and you may feel like you're doing the right thing, but you may not be getting the results. So are you really doing the right thing? I've talked about gymnastics and the same thing. My daughter over and over, we say, Isabel, you have to point your toes. And her response, I am pointing my toes. But then when we show her video and she realizes she's not pointing her toes, to her it feels like she's doing it, but she's not doing it. We say the game of golf. You feel like you pulled through, you made that swing, you connected well, but then that ball went into the air and then all of a sudden turned right and went into the woods. Obviously, you didn't do something right. It felt right, but the results showed it wasn't right. There, well, the ball went right. Well, that's if you were right and you sliced. Anyway, you feel like you're doing it the right way. But obviously the results, there's something not quite right. And so that's what we want to do. We want to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal his truth to us as we are looking at these things to say, what am I doing and, and what might need to be corrected so that I'm doing what you're calling me to do? I feel like I'm doing it the right way. And so today we're talking about fasting. And so what does it mean to feel versus real when it comes to fasting? Um, so uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to read these verses. It's real short, but I invite you to stand chapter 6 starting in verse 16. Jesus speaking there, chapter 6, 16. 
When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, you have received their reward in full. They have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Father, we thank you for these words that we have here from Jesus. And Lord, as we look into this subject of fasting today, we just, we ask for your blessing. We ask for your Holy Spirit to reveal truth. And we ask that you would show us what this needs to look like in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So Jesus starts this section, starts this uh, subject here on fasting with the words that he also used uh, back at the beginning. Uh, verse 2, he says, so when you give to the needy, so when you do this, so expecting you will give to the needy, not if you give to the needy. He starts the same way, when you fast, when you fast. So he's saying, this is something that is kind of expected. They're, they're already doing that. This is part of their culture. This is not if you fast, it's when you fast. Fasting was a regular part of their, it was a regular practice in Israel. It's what they did. They would do fasting. Uh, there was one required fast that the Lord gave them uh, every year that they were required to do, and that was the Day of Atonement. They were required to fast. That was the only day that the Lord gave and said, this is a requirement. Okay. Uh, over time, uh, the Jewish people kind of added additional days and months, and it's real interesting to go and look at what they did. And these days and months come out as you study the prophets. These, these additional days and months kind of show up, and, that, and it shows that they are practicing these various times of fasting. Sometimes, was, so it really came to there were kind of four national days a year that they set aside specifically for fasting as a nation. They had certain months that they would take and spend the month fasting. And so it kind of became those, those rituals of fasting that they did. The, the Pharisees uh, fasted on specific days. They would have uh, two days a week where they would fast. They would fast on Monday and they would fast on Thursday. Those also happened to be the two main marketplace days where a lot of people were coming into the area and, and had opportunity to see people and what was going on. It just so happened that they would fast on the days where there were a lot of people around for people to see them fasting. And we see according to the description how they would dress. They would make themselves look like they were fasting. They would wear dirty clothes and ragged clothes so that people would look at them and say, look how spiritual these Pharisees are and they're fasting. And that was it. That's the reward. According to what we see here, that was the reward. That's it. In that moment, they were praised for being great spiritual leaders in their fasting. And then it was done. Because God had no other reward for them then. It's kind of like, you know, when you're a kid and you're told to do a chore. And if you do a chore, you'll get an ice cream. Right? Any, that, anyone ever get the privilege of that? Yeah, you, do, you get your room clean, I'll take you to get an ice cream. So you get your room clean, you, eat, you get the ice cream, and, and what's up? It's gone, because how quick did you eat an ice cream? Well, one, it's melting, so it's going to be gone anyway, right? 
And that's really, that's the praise that they got. It was, word. look how spiritual are these guys. These guys are great spiritual men because they fast. It's obvious. John MacArthur in his book Matthew says that fasting was strongly practiced and possibly overemphasized by early Christians. It was something that was done and it was probably even overemphasized. To me, fasting does not seem to be a regular practice of most American Christians. I'm not going to ask you if you fast. I'm not going to ask that question. Um, but I'm going to say for me, it's not something that's talked about very much. I don't hear people talking about fasting. I don't know. Now, maybe they're just really good at following Jesus' words here. You know, don't tell people you're fasting. Make it look like you're not fasting. Maybe y'all are just really good at that or the church is really good at that. And so we just hide it. There. But I just, for me, and I could be wrong, Fasting isn't something that we talk about. It's not something that's done very often. And uh, we just don't know what's going on. I, I, I know that as I've been praying about this and preparing for this time, uh, I honestly cannot remember a single message growing up on fasting. I, I just can't, Maybe I went to the wrong churches. But I, I honestly just can't believe that. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, uh, standing out front after the first service, I had a number of people come and say, yeah, I don't, I, I don't remember ever hearing about this. And yet Jesus says, when you fast, something we should be doing, something that we get to do. Um, so I started out, uh, the, how I first learned about fasting. Really, I was already in ministry, and I'd heard it, but I didn't know a lot about it. And uh, when I was in youth ministry uh, in the, you know, I really got into youth ministry late 2000s. Um, I mean, I had been doing stuff, but really, as far as on staff and doing it, uh, there was this thing out called the 30-hour famine that World Vision did. And it was an opportunity to take youth and students to go 30 hours without eating so that they could experience what it's like to live in another country where they don't get to eat. You know, where we constantly have food, okay? And so I introduced our students to this, and we did this. We would do 30 hours. And the way we would do it is I would usually do it on a Wednesday when there was no school. Well, there might have been school Wednesday, but there was usually no, if there was no school Thursday, I would do it on a Wednesday. I'd say, eat lunch, done eating lunch at 1 o'clock, don't eat again, come to youth group, don't eat dinner, come to youth group, and then after youth group, stay, and then we'll spend the next 24 hours after youth group and not eat and experience what it's like to go without food for 30 hours, okay? And so we would go, say, don't eat, start at 1 o'clock, all the way through the next day, be done at 7 the next night, okay? And, and so it was, it was really more, what's it like to go without, is what it really was. And... Um, and that first year, now we would do juice breaks because you need to be healthy. And we wouldn't let our young middle schoolers do it because it wasn't good for them. You needed to be a little bit older. So we were careful. Um, but that's how we did it. And, um, and it was good. And they got that chance to experience that. And I got to experience that. And, and it was great. It, it really became how I did lock-ins. Um, students want to do a lock-in. I'm like, yes, come do 30-hour famine. We'd do a lock-in. Because reality is they haven't eaten since 1 o'clock. And by the time 11 o'clock rolled around, guess what? They were tired and ready to go to sleep because they hadn't had food. <laughs> so I loved it. Uh, it was great. And then they'd wake up the next morning. And because they hadn't had food, most of them would have headaches by that time. So the loud and rambunctious part was gone. You know, it, I love doing lock-ins that way. I didn't have to worry about having any food for them either. You know, I mean, less planning. Um, so that's how. 
We finished the fast at 7 o'clock. I didn't have any food. We just said, hey, 7 o'clock, go home. You can eat now. A group of us decided to go to uh, Golden Corral the first year, and uh, that was a mistake. Um, <laughs> when you haven't eaten for 30 hours, now you're in front of this huge buffet. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I was sick for hours. Um, we said, we can't do that again. So the next year, we changed it and said at 7 o'clock, we'll break the fast together, and we did rice. Um, and we said, you have to serve it to someone. The other thing that we do is during that time, you know, not only had they not eaten, um, but we would make them do service projects. Uh, one year we had them bring two milk jugs and we walked three miles to the river and filled them up with water and then had to carry them three miles back to the church. Uh, we had a couple middle school boys that just along the way would accidentally spill their water because they were getting heavy. And get all the way back. They had no water in theirs. I said, well, you didn't bring any water back. This is representing what these kids go through in other countries. So you don't bring water back for your family. You don't get juice break this time. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I was mean. Um, but as I did that, we began to think about, is this really good for us to be just going without food for 30 hours to experience? Or maybe this becomes something a little bit more. And so we'd actually changed it after that second year to 30-hour fast. And really started taking time to when we would have our regular times of food, we would kind of make that a time of worship and prayer and seeking after God in his word. And it was really cool to see some of the things that came out of those times um, with our students. And so we did that for a number of years and really made it a 30-hour fast. And, and we look forward to it year every year. It was amazing to me how much the students look forward to it every year. And whenever I get with my student leaders and ask them, what are the ministries that mean the most to you? The 30-hour fast is something that came up quite often. And not just because it was a lock-in, because they all slept, you know. Um, but because it really touched their hearts. And so it was amazing to me to see them doing that. And so fasting as a result of that became something that, not something I necessarily did on a scheduled basis, but something that it's different times in my life, uh, God would, would impress on my heart a need to fast. And so I've done that. I, I don't say that I've done it a lot, but I've done it some. I didn't, you know, a day, maybe a few days. I, 40 days, man, only Jesus can do 40 days. That's how I feel about 40 days. I like food too much. I like to taste food too much to go 40 days. I, Jesus would really have to strengthen my faith to go 40 days. Uh, I've had friends that have gone a week, you know, a month or a week. Uh, I, I'll be, I've never done a whole week. Um, there's been different times where I have different things have come up and I have spent time fasting and, and really the fasting was, Lord, I'm going to fast until I know what's going to happen. Until I know that whatever it is I'm praying for, until I see an answer, I'm going to fast. And so there's been a couple times where I've done that and it's been four days until that answer came, you know. Um, but it's not something that I necessarily did regularly. And I wonder even, and this is my, I'm talking now, so take this as you want. I, I wonder if fasting that, that we set on a calendar to do regularly, if it really is something that is as meaningful as something that maybe we do when the Holy Spirit guides us to fast. And I think that's going to be different for everyone. Um, but I know if it was something I did every week, I, I don't know that I would it would carry as much meaning for me, you know, so. Um, 
So what I want to do is I have two questions for us today and some things under each one that I want to talk about. And uh, so uh, there, there are chapter 6 in these verses. My first question is this, how should we fast? How should we fast? Um, uh, according to what we see here in the scripture practice, that we, sh we should practice fasting in secrecy and not in public. This isn't something we announce. This isn't something that we just, you know, that we try to let other people know we're doing. It's, it's just something that we do. It's, it's personal. Uh, we do it in secret, okay? Uh, when we fast, we should act normal. We should act normal. We shouldn't walk around saying, oh, I'm so hungry. You know, why are you hungry? Oh, because I'm fasting, you know, no, we should act normal. Uh, this says there in verse 17, it says, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. You go, well, why do you do that? Th that's, how, that's just normal body care for them back then. That's, that's what they did. When you fast, you know, take your shower, shampoo your hair, do your hair up like normal, like, not like mine. Um, do your normal things, you know, just take care of yourself and make it look like it's in every... It's just a normal day. You're not doing anything different. Uh, when you fast, we focus on God and not others. It's about him. And, and we say it. Pastor Chris will say it. Every week we say, it's all about Jesus. And when we fast, it's all about Jesus. Um, he's the purpose for our fasting. He's the purpose. And knowing him and pursuing the Father's heart is why we would do this. That's why we would do this. Um, and so, so we need to focus on God and not on others. It's not about someone else. It's about him, and it's about us. And then the other way, and the last thing is, how should we fast? One, our fasting should be times of prayer. Should be times of prayer. And so we should pray. I would say also for me, when I pray, a lot of times praying comes out of God's word, and so we can get into God's word and dig into God's word, and, and a lot of times our prayers can come straight out of God's word. And so when we pray, we pray, we look into God's word. So instead of eating during that time, we spend time praying and fasting, and then we go do our other things that you do throughout the day, whatever those might be. So maybe a day would look like you get up before you go to work, you grab some food. Um, instead of grabbing that food, you spend that time praying. Now, who eats on the way to work? Um, that's what I do, okay? Well, you don't eat on the way to work that day. You pray on the way to work that day, okay? Um, for those of you who don't know, we live up the bypass on, off 106, and so it's only four miles to get here. Sometimes I'll go left on the bypass, go all the way to the top of the hill, turn right, go all the way out by the school, come all the way down past the golf course, down up Falls Road. I'll take the long way so I can pray. And so that's what we look to do. We look for opportunities to do that. But we pray during that time. We seek God's heart. So that's how we fast. That's how we fast. Those are opportunities of things that we do. Number two, and really the, the, the bulk of this and the meat of this is this. When is it appropriate to fast? When is it appropriate to fast? A.W. Tozer said this. He says, I fast just enough to remind my body who the boss is. You ever feel like your body's controlling you? All the time. I, Darren, I gotta say it now, Darren. Darren sent me a, a, a meme last night of a dude holding a pizza. And it says, I know I'm the Lord's temple, but I wanna be a mega church. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, I just said, oh no. Uh, oh no. Um, 
but I love this quote. Um, I fast just enough to remind my body who the boss is. And uh, our bodies need to be controlled by the Lord. And, and so this is a spiritual activity, this spiritual dif- discipline that we get to have control of our bodies in those moments and take and pray and worship God. And so when is it appropriate to fast? Uh, we're going to look at a few just scriptures, uh, op- uh, situations in the word that show us of when different people fasted. So the first one is this, when we've experienced great pain or loss. When we experience great pain or loss. And so Matthew 9, 15, Jesus speaking, he says, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. And so when the bridegroom's there, when Jesus is with them, why don't your disciples fast? Well, because I'm here with them, but when I go, then they will fast. And so in times of great loss, we often mourn, we often fast. If we have had a loved one that we've seen uh, get promoted to heaven or, or, or pass away, you know, sometimes those are t- times of great mourning and we, we mourn with hope, but it's still mourning that takes place. And sometimes in that mourning, even, we don't even feel like eating. We're calling out to God. And so in those times of great loss or in, 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 um, in mourning, in pain, we might take time to fast and pray. Another way is this, when we are mourning over sin, when we are mourning over sin, Ezra chapter 10 verse 6 says, then Ezra withdrew from before the house of God and went to the room of Jeho- Jehoanan, son of Elishib. While he was there, he ate no food and drank no water because he continued to mourn over the unfaithfulness of the exiles. He fasted and mourned because of the sin that was taking place among the people. In Jonah chapter 3 verse 7 through 9, Jonah's gone. He's proclaimed the word of the Lord and the king is responding and he says, this is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. He says, don't let them taste. Don't let them eat or drink. Instead, call out to God because of their sin. And then maybe, maybe he'll forgive us. So fasting, calling out to him, mourning over sin. Another way is when we seek, when we are seeking victory over sin or temptation. Victory over sin. Isaiah 58, 6 says, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. And yoke there is sin. The sin that entangles us, the sin that ensnares us, we fast, we pray so that we might be able to break through that sin, that temptation that we have. Is there a sin or temptation that you have that just continually keeps coming back to you? Maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit is saying, fast and call out to me. To break that chain, to break that yoke that seems to be controlling you and holding on to you? We see Jesus in the wilderness. For 40 days he fasts. 
40 days and 40 nights he fasts and the enemy comes and Satan throws up temptation after temptation after temptation. And what does Jesus do? Knocks them all down. He stands firm. He does not fall into the temptation. Why? He's just spent 40 days fasting and calling on his father. I think that's a big part of why. And you say, well, he was Jesus. He was perfect. He could do that. I don't even want to think about where I'd be after 40 days of not eating. Jessica thinks I get grumpy after four hours of not eating. And we want to know. And Jesus was fully man. And he went 40 days. There, there's a reason that there, there's a connection on why he was able to avoid those temptations. Another time it's appropriate to fast is when we're seeking God's favor. We're seeking God's favor. 2 Samuel 12, 16. This is David after the situation with Bathsheba and the baby has been born and David is pleading with God for the child and he says he fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. He is pleading to God as he fasts for God's favor that this child would live. Now what ultimately happens is the child dies so it doesn't go the way David. But David was still calling out, pleading for favor. Don't take this life because I messed it up in sin. So we're seeking God's favor. In Esther chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, Esther sent her, uh, this reply to Mordecai. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, or for three days night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Esther was going to go before the king and plead for her people. So for favor, asking for favor on her, she fasted and asked her people to fast and call out on the, for the, uh, to the Lord. So in those times of favor, it's appropriate. When we're seeking God's favor, it's appropriate to fast. Fifth way, it's appropriate to fast when we're seeking wisdom and revelation. When we're seeking wisdom and revelation. Exodus chapter 4, Moses goes up and he's going to receive the Ten Commandments. But it says that he went up and he prayed and fasted and sought God. And after being up there for four days, God gave him the Ten Commandments and he came down with God's law. In Daniel chapter 9 and 10, it says that Daniel fasted and prayed and revelation was brought to him through the angel because he had spent time fasting and praying. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2 3, it says, While they were still worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So when we are seeking wisdom, when we are seeking revelation on a specific matter, it's appropriate for us to fast and to pray and ask God about direction. Maybe there's a direction you're seeking in your life right now. God, what am I supposed to do? What decision am I supposed to make? What should, what? Maybe, maybe we fast and pray about it. And the last one. We have here. There, there's others. These are just some examples. But the last one is when we're preparing for a ministry or a task. We're preparing for a ministry or task. We go back to Jesus. 
Before Jesus started his earthly ministry, he spent 40 days fasting and praying to prepare for what he was going to do over the course of the next three years. That's what he did. And so if you're faced with a ministry opportunity or if you're faced with what feels like just a monumental task, it's appropriate to take time and fast and pray. I, I don't know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. I, I'm going to say this. How does the feel versus real thing work when it comes here with fasting? You, you may say, I'm, I'm not fasting. Well, then there's no feel at all. <laughs> there's nothing there even at this point. And, and so my question would be, maybe this is something that you need to uh, truly seek the Holy Spirit and say, is, is this something I need to be doing? If you are fasting, why are you fasting? Is it for one of these reasons? Is it truly just for God? Or, or are there other reasons that you might be fasting? In, in our culture of diet and health, uh, I know people that fast just to lose weight. That's not fasting. That's it's not fasting. How are you fasting? Is it, becoming some, is it something you do regularly? Has it become just something that you do without thinking? Or are you truly, truly making it a spiritual discipline? I'll say this. Uh, when you pray, you can pray without fasting. You can pray without fasting. But I do not believe that you can fast without praying. Okay? You can't fast without praying. Um, if, you're, if you're fasting without praying, then what you're really doing is just not eating. You're just going hungry. Okay? Just, just, just skipping a meal is not fasting. That's just skipping a meal and you're going to be hungry later. Okay? And so I think that we really need to say, you know, if, I'm, if this is fasting, then you're spending time, you're replacing that time with prayer. Fasting means to not eat. That's what fasting means. And, and, and I'm going to share, this is my opinion again. This is my opinion. And you guys, are, I have heard it said by people, I'm going to do a Facebook fast. I'm going to fast from Facebook. Okay? I watch too much TV. I'm going to fast from watching TV. In my, this is my opinion. You can disagree if you want. Those are not things that we need. We do not need Facebook. Please don't raise your hand and say, oh, I need Facebook. Please, if you think that, there's other issues we need to spend time with. Okay? Facebook can be a distraction. TV can be a distraction. Yes, there are times where we need to say, Lord, I have these distractions in my life and I need to give them up and focus on you. Yes. But food is a need. If we go without food, our body lets us know fairly quickly. For me, it's about every three hours, okay? <laughs> okay, that's just how it is. My body lets me know. And so for me, fasting is giving up of something that this body needs like food. Food. If you're giving up Facebook, great. You probably need to, okay? We, we probably need to. TV, we probably need to. But that's not fasting. That, that's laying something down. That's, laying a, that's removing a distraction 
Food is not, well, it can be distracting. Food, our need for food is real. And so I, I, I would lay out before you that real fasting is giving up food. Need what this body needs. So I'm asked this. Um, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? The musicians are going to come and uh, we're gonna, they're going to uh, come and play a song for us today. And, and, and my hope is that we will listen to this song and truly seek after our Father's heart and what it means for us to fast. For some of you, this might be something you've never done. This might be a brand new thing for you. For some, you may have done it a number of times or a few times, whatever it might be. But if you're fasting, are you doing it according to the Father's heart? Would beginning, would, be, would, would it, starting to fast as a spiritual discipline help draw you closer to the Father's heart? Are you experiencing something right now in which fasting would be appropriate? I'm going to pray for us and then I want you to listen to this song. Ask the Father how fasting fits into your spiritual disciplines. Father, we thank you you have laid this out for us and I pray that our response to you would be appropriate this morning. Holy Spirit, reveal truth to our hearts and let us know what fasting needs to look like in our lives. Thank you, Jesus.